You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. When was the last time you took public transportation? Maybe you're sitting on a local city bus right now, or maybe even on an Amtrak train. Here in New York City, commuting often means taking the subway. And if there's one thing that unites New Yorkers, it's complaining about the subway. Dirty stations, train delays, weekend schedule changes, overcrowding, crime, the list goes on. And remembering that you paid almost $3 for this ride, you're left to wonder where that money is going. But even if you don't live in New York, if you use public transportation and have had complaints about it, it could very well get worse soon. Billions of dollars in pandemic-era emergency aid will dry up by next year, and transit agencies all across the U.S. are bracing for impact. That'll affect millions of Americans who rely on public transportation every day to get to work and run their daily errands. Bloomberg Municipal Finance and transportation reporter Skylar Woodhouse reports that the budget shortfalls faced by some of the country's largest public transportation agencies could put these already overburdened and underfunded services even closer to collapse. I'm Scarlett Fu. Today on The Big Take, mind the gap, or better yet, stand clear of the closing door of transit funding. Since the pandemic, public transportation agencies have seen precipitous drops in ridership. And certainly that was the case during lockdown. But even then, it's been a long road to recovery. And this matters because one major source of revenue for these agencies comes from fares. How much did ridership drop nationwide during the pandemic? When the pandemic first rolled around, these transit agencies across the country, and especially in the major cities, they took a serious drop in ridership. New York subway ridership is down nearly 90% overall, but city data shows it's down by less in low-income neighborhoods like the Bronx, where it only dropped by 55%. It's a ridership roller coaster for the Chicago Transit Authority. As COVID-19 fears go up, the number of passengers takes a dip. That's an 87% dip on the rails. Each agency saw different levels of numbers. But if you look at BART, for example, Bay Area Rapid Transit District out in San Francisco, they saw like an up to 93% drop in their ridership. And that is quite mind-boggling, like if you think about it. If you think about transit pre-COVID and how, you know, you could barely get on a train, it would be completely packed to being face-to-face with complete strangers to almost the complete opposite of that, to where maybe nobody's on the train, just a completely different energy. The ridership just totally took a plummet as people started working from home. 
How much has ridership returned compared with pre-pandemic levels? So ridership has been coming back at different levels across different agencies. If you look in New York with the MTA, I think ridership has been hovering on weekdays between like 70 to 80 percent. It's not exactly to pre-COVID levels, but they're inching pretty closely. So ridership is slowly coming back as workers are starting to go back into the offices. And there's a lot of projections out there that say, you know, ridership still won't return to those pre-COVID levels for quite some time. Some agencies are seeing it at like 70 to 80 percent, but some agencies are still hovering maybe in the 50 percent level. It just really depends on where you are, where you're located and what that return to office picture looks like for that city. And it also depends on what day of the week. Mondays and Fridays are ghost towns on public transit, whereas Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're back to squeezing in and breathing in someone's bad breath or under someone's armpit, in my case. Apart from fair revenue, where do the transit agencies typically get their funding at the state, the local, and the federal levels? The other key part for systems to receive funding is through different levels of taxes, so sales tax, some sort of local tax. It's those types of taxes that are being directed towards transit agencies. But at the same time, you know, they also still rely a little bit on funding coming from like advertising. So during the pandemic and in the immediate aftermath of the pandemic, the federal government gave some money to transit agencies. How much money did the federal government allocate and what did transit agencies across the country use that money for? When the pandemic first rolled around, basically the federal government had to jump in and offer a lifeline to these agencies. Just to give some context here, historically in the U.S., transit agencies usually don't receive the operating funding from the federal government. Now, you might see the federal government step in here and there for infrastructure-related issues, so that will go towards like the capital budget. But in terms of the operating side, the federal government usually isn't helping keeping these agencies running their day-to-day operations. So that being said, these transit agencies saw about $70 billion in aid, and that was dispersed, you know, across the country to various agencies. So it's basically to keep them operating. I mean, it was the most basic operating funding you could ask for. Exactly. Yeah, literally just to make sure that, you know, that like they could still have trains running. So now that the federal money is expiring or being phased out, what do these transit agencies stand to lose as a result of budget shortfalls? So it is actually a pretty scary picture, especially if you are one who lives in a major metro city, who is, you know, dependent upon transit. I'm going to use the metro system in D.C. as an example. So they're running up against a $750 million budget shortfall that could start as soon as next July. So basically next they have to, you know, figure out a way to balance their budget by April. But if that doesn't happen, then they're looking at massive service cuts across their bus network, train, massive layoffs. They're an agency of about 12,000 people, and that's looking to probably cut that by around 20 percent. General Manager Randy Clark says that the transit agency must close a $750 million budget gap in the first half of 2024 or face some big changes. Some of those changes, all metro train stations would close at 10 p.m. Typically, they're open until midnight or later. 10 of Metro's 98 stations would shut down completely. On Metro bus, 67 of the 135 lines would be eliminated and thousands of Metro employees would lose their jobs. So a big part of it is that these systems are running up against having to do layoffs, service cuts, 
And then it could also impact safety and security. I think one thing that's been in the news a lot is how cities are kind of combating these perceptions that crime is rising. What do the crime levels look like? So a lot of systems have had to increase their security presence a little bit. So that could also be off the table depending on if they can or cannot find a way to balance their operating budget. What are experts projecting when it comes to the federal money expiring and creating this vicious cycle that deepens budget woes for transit agencies? Transit in the U.S. has not really been the top priority in terms of funding. And this is raising that attention to like, look, if we are going to prioritize transit in the U.S. and as we do, you know, for example, have these climate goals, transit is one of the cleaner ways to move around. So it's really kind of waking people up to like, okay, how can we establish some sort of recurring revenues for these agencies that's not so tied to fares? And what are the other options that can be done to keep these systems afloat? And some people have said that we should treat transit in the U.S. as like a social service. After the break, a look at some of the biggest public transit systems facing budget shortfalls. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. So when it comes to the MTA, that's the nation's largest mass transit system overall, it was already heavily indebted before the pandemic. What does its shortfall look like right now as federal aid dries up? So the Metropolitan Transportation Agency in New York, it's actually become like the kind of example that these other agencies are now trying to model themselves after. So basically right now, what the MTA has planned is that... They will receive funding from a payroll tax on businesses in New York City that will help fund the agency. And that's supposed to go through about 2027. But the governor also is hoping that they can start pulling casino revenue and use that revenue to go towards the MTA. 
it's no secret, you know this, the agency is in a deep fiscal canyon and the governor's proposed budget now provides hundreds of millions of dollars to keep the buses rolling and the trains running. Governor Hochul proposed a small increase in what's called the payroll mobility tax, that's paid by businesses, as well as a dedicated share of future casino revenue once downstate casino license. Now the casino is still a work in progress, so it is kind of up in the air, but it's just another short-term fix. The fact of the matter is that New York's MTA is in this uncomfortable position. Its funding is set by Albany, even though MTA operates in the city. And the state has underfunded the MTA for decades. Can you tell us a little bit about why the MTA has been set up this way and how it has did a disservice to New York City residents as a result? I think a lot of people, when they have frustrations with the MTA, they're like, oh, the mayor should have been doing better with this. The head of the MTA reports to the governor, not the mayor. You mentioned Washington, the metro, and how the numbers there are really looking very dire. Why is the problem in D.C. particularly acute, though? D.C. is interesting because it's still a major city, but they're struggling because, I mean, you think of Washington, D.C., all you can think about is the federal government. And like a lot of those federal government employees haven't really returned back to the offices in the same way that you might see in corporate America. I actually just relocated to Washington from New York, and I have kind of noticed the differences in terms of what kind of the downtowns feel like during the work week in terms of like going into the office. So the transit operators here are trying to figure out, okay, people aren't returning to the office. What are we going to do? They're going to have to even start making cutbacks. And they're not even on the same scale as like an MTA, but they're still operating in a major city that still has to move people around. You mentioned work from home and how that seems to be more common in a place like Washington than in New York. How about California and the Bay Area in particular, which had suffered some really horrible traffic in Silicon Valley to the city? We know that both the BART, the Bay Area Rapid Transit District, and the Muni, the San Francisco Municipal Railway, are anticipating financial troubles. How much of that is tied to people staying home and not going into the office? In the Bay Area, we think of big tech and, you know, a lot of the tech companies, they weren't necessarily rushing back into the office. I think a lot of people in the Bay Area have moved into the surrounding suburbs a little bit. Bloomberg has done a really nice job in tracking how people also are moving out of the Bay Area to Texas or even Florida, really. 12 months, people leaving the Bay Area, an exodus, if you will, during this pandemic. But where is everyone going? Is it Austin? Is it Reno? Is it Las Vegas? Here's and at the same time, I think a lot of people also are just buying cars and are driving places. So how is the California state and regional government stepping in to help lessen the budget shortfall faced by BART and Muni? California Governor Gavin Newsom and the state legislator, they've put together some short-term funding that will be dispersed throughout the entire state. And I think that's one thing that's really interesting when you compare California and New York. So in New York, MTA is pretty much like the main transit operator. And in California, you have so many different systems. So it's not just kind of like the governor can just be like, oh, Bart, you're going to get this amount of money. They have to really divvy it up across all the various networks that are all throughout the state from Northern California to Southern California. At least in the Bay Area, they're looking to try and put some sort of long-term funding plan on the ballot in an upcoming election in the next couple of years 
So that way they can get voters input to try and then have some sort of long-term funding. When we return, will state and federal governments step in to bridge the funding gaps facing public transit agencies? Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. In the past, when I've ended up at the 30th Street Station, Amtrak Station, it's probably because I took the late train back from Washington and I slept through the Delaware stop, literally. Not figured. Only did it about four times. President Biden, who we know is a noted train travel enthusiast, he talks a lot about taking the train to Wilmington when he was a senator. He recently announced new federal funding for rail projects. Makes sense. Across the country. How much money are we talking about here, Skylar? President Biden recently announced about $8.2 billion for rail projects across the country. Now, this is everything from trying to kickstart high-speed rail from Las Vegas to Southern California to improving rail operations between Raleigh, North Carolina and Richmond, Virginia. Rail, the Biden administration is announcing $8.2 billion for projects on both coasts. Folks, we've been talking about this project for decades. Now we're really getting it done. $3 billion goes to Brightline West, linking the Los Angeles area to Las Vegas in about two hours. The 218-mile line will run along Interstate 15. He announced this funding in hopes that, you know, they can try and start moving some of these rail projects forward. So what a lot of President Biden has been announcing funding for infrastructure projects, and that money is going to help finance transit upgrades, repairs for signals, tracks, all of those things. Because like the transit systems in the country, they, they need a lot of work. So a lot of that funding is going towards the capital side and not necessarily the operating side. Now, there have been some conversations about do we allow agencies to pull capital to the operating. Recently, the head of the metro system in 
DC was like, I would love to see a conversation where we have, you know, the federal government start helping out on the operating side and not just for those capital infrastructure needs. When you look at our transit systems versus how other cities have planned theirs out and how they've really maintained them, it's pretty striking, the differences. And part of it is funding as well. New York City is on the brink of implementing the nation's first congestion pricing scheme. We know that London, we know that Singapore, we know that other cities like Milan have used this. How will this program work to fund public transit in the city? What's the connection here? So this would be a first for a U.S. city, which would be a pretty big deal. And New York City has been trying to get congestion pricing going for decades now. It's just kind of run into a lot of political hurdles. But basically, for drivers entering Manhattan below 60th Street, you would be charged a fee to drive around the central business district. Congestion pricing has been a hot-button issue ever since it was proposed by the Bloomberg administration years ago. Today, an advisory board proposed a $15 a day fee for cars entering below 60th Street in Lower Manhattan. Trucks would have to pay even more. The billions of dollars raised through congestion pricing would go to the MTA. I think if you've been to New York, you know how bad the traffic is. They're trying to reduce the traffic. It's supposed to help the environment with less cars from the road. And the money from tolling will go directly towards the MTA and capital upgrades. So, Skylar, when it comes to congestion pricing, which, of course, is still controversial, there are plenty of people who don't like it. What kind of capital projects could the revenue from congestion pricing in New York City fund? New York City, they're trying to build the Interborough Express, which would be a rail that would connect Queens and Brooklyn. So, you know, congestion pricing could help finance that project and make crossing between the two boroughs by subway a lot easier. It could also help finance something as small as making sure that tracks are up to date and signals and some of the new technologies that trains need nowadays and same for buses as well. So it's mainly to address operational issues, exactly the kind of stuff that the $8.2 billion that President Biden announced probably won't. So the congestion pricing money will be used for capital infrastructure related projects. So New York City, if this congestion pricing scheme goes through, would be the first city in the U.S. to implement this. Where else in the U.S. is congestion pricing being considered? There's been some kind of loose conversations that some cities haven't really, like, locked it in. Chicago kind of hinted at it a little bit. Los Angeles has also hinted at it a little bit. I mean, Los Angeles, we all know, is like car city. So they're really trying to find ways to cut down on their congestion what will you be looking for as you continue to report on the state of these public transit agencies across the U.S.? What will you be listening for? What will you be watching out for? I'll be watching out for what's the conversation like long term. I think transit often sees short term solutions and a short term patches. So I'm curious what's happening long term here. And though, you know, there's a lot of conversations to how we're going to keep these systems going. It's also very short term. Still no one has really found the right answer for like what can be done long term. And when I say long term, I'm talking, let's jump forward to 2050. What does transit look like then? How is it being financed? Who's paying for it? You know, so I'm curious, like, what do those conversations kind of look like? And really, will we see something new from the federal government in terms of some sort of financing to help keep these systems moving forward on the operational side? 
a lot of these agencies have no choice but to focus on the short term because they're fighting it what feels like a daily battle. Are fair increases a short term solution? How much support do fair increases actually give these transit agencies? They do help. But if you still don't have a ton of riders and you're raising fares, like, yes, it's going to help you. And yes, it's going to give you some extra cash, but they still will really need to see a huge population of riders come back with those fare hikes for there to be like a real difference. But the fare hikes, that is something you are hearing that agencies are having to do. Um, Metro and DC, they're going to have to raise fares. People feel strongly that public transit, it's a public service and it is something that shouldn't cost money to use. Use the public school system, for example. Okay, like, yes, you do pay taxes towards the public schools, but in that same way, you could be paying those types of taxes towards your transit agency. So that way, like, you don't have to pay to go to your local public school that you can just enroll and go. And some people say that, you know, that's how it should be for transit. Skylar Woodhouse, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Skylar Woodhouse is a reporter at Bloomberg News. She covers, among other things, the public transit agencies. Thanks for listening to us here at The Big Take. It's a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. And for more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Bloomberg CarPlay, or wherever you listen. And of course, we'd love to hear from you. Email us questions or comments to bigtake at bloomberg.net. This episode was produced by Sam Gebauer, with production assistance from Michael Falero, Federica Romaniello, and Mo Barrow. Hilda Garcia is our engineer. Our original music was composed by Leo Sidrin. I'm Scarlett Fu. We'll be back tomorrow with another Big Take. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.